Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me, as always, is the regional sports editor for the Columbia Daily Tribune, Kevin Grayler. How are you? Really thankful to be warm and inside. Yeah, it has been pretty cold over the past week here in mid-Missouri. We got snow on Sunday, and the roads were not all that great to travel on until midday Tuesday. That's kind of status quo here in Missouri with how they clean the roads and how, I don't know the word for it, maybe you have a better word for it, because I would just say something completely negative, but is there a better word to describe how the state of Missouri treats the roads? You know, it takes some snow? time, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> okay, that's a very nice way first, of saying it. First, yeah. uh, let me think... 48 hours or so, I was snowed in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Weather outside was frightful and not very delightful. Okay. Yeah. That's probably a good way to put it. Do you know what was delightful, though? Missouri's win over Southern Illinois last Sunday, where they actually looked like dominated a team like they're supposed to in the mid major conference. Uh, very much comparison to the last time they played at home against Charleston Southern, where they lost to a team ranked in the that 300s one go of so Ken Palm. Well. Yeah. The Missouri men's basketball team took it to Southern Illinois. It was That was never really a game. That was and encouraging. It looked encouraging, especially after the win over Temple, where it's like, okay, is that a fluke? And it's mm-hmm. not. They're 6-4 and four now. Uh, they And they have bragging rights on Saturday. Uh, probably, I'd say, the game that most Mizzou fans have circled in the non-conference. One of their biggest tests in the non-conference against Illinois. Saturday at noon at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. It's been in St. L- this game has always been in St. Louis since, like, what, the 80... 80- three season I think I looked up so I mean it's whether it's been known as the Scott Trade Center or whatever before then I don't think it was ever at the Checker Dome but uh, yeah at the Enterprise Center where and I realize I haven't been there since the Stanley Cup uh, I don't remember the last time you were at Enterprise Center but I haven't been there since game six where the Blues lost but then won it in game seven but well, maybe this will rival that I don't know maybe I, I mean the in terms ban- of excitement yeah the banner will be there because it definitely wasn't there before they won the Stanley Cup but uh yeah, it's a big non-conference matchup for them, and Missouri won last year, seventy-nine to sixty-three, with Jordan Geist really taking over at the end. Yeah, Geist had twenty in that game. Yeah, he was he was on fire the entire game from long distance. Uh, but Illinois had won the five years previous to that, and Missouri had won the four years previous to that. It's been a streaky so, series. It's five-five the last ten years. So, and th- this year it looks like, if if nothing else, both teams are kind of need this game more than years previous that I could see before where they need this for momentum. I mean, Illinois is in a wide open Big Ten and the SEC is wide open too and we'll get in that in a minute but the Big Ten seems a little more wide open than it usually is and I mean, Illinois almost beat Maryland they then beat Michigan and there's still Ohio State and Michigan State and a couple other teams still in that mix so they need this team to get back into rhythm for Big Ten play while Missouri needs this game because the SEC looks pretty wide open and you know they want to put a couple games together before they have to go to Kentucky to open conference play Missouri has probably you can make an argument the best four teams in the SEC to start conference play so they because because they play at Kentucky home against Florida home against Tennessee and then on the road against Mississippi State who might be the top four in the conference so they really need this game because the first two weeks of January right there right around the corner because I don't want to diss Chicago State nothing against Chicago State but is that game, win or loss, going to really change a whole lot for this team? 
Well, you got to win that game. Well, you got uh, win, loser, right? I'd imagine that's a win. But is that going to change a whole lot because of how their record and how where they're ranked for this yeah. team? So this is truly, I mean, this this is the last meaningful non-conference game mm-hmm. for this team. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then just th- thinking about Mizzou and and the non-conference trajectory, you know, just about two weeks ago that Charleston Southern game, really a, just a deflating loss on. Uh, the home floor and um, at risk of falling below 500 uh, if the Tigers would have lost uh, then uh, at Temple. Got that big win at Temple, 64-54 uh, on Saturday the 7th. Then, like you said, uh, came back home and really put it on Southern Illinois. And the, now you beat Illinois Saturday in Bragg You're looking at 7-4, and four, chance to finish non-conference 8-4. and four. Um, pretty respectable mark, uh, albeit with struggles at times. Um, but I, I think you're right about this Illinois game really being the opportunity to um, display progress that's been made um, and and really kind of get a good feeling going into the turn of the calendar year. But Eric, I will ask you this. Sure. Three keys to Mizzou winning Saturday afternoon. Number one, they have to tip the ball off. No, uh, no okay, that's that's my tip at a, at a horrible joke. Uh, and I'll actually, number one, it's been plaguing this team this year. It's been the elephant in the room. You got to start fast. They didn't even do that against Southern Illinois. They had a great last thirty minutes and pulled away from them, but it was nine nine about eight minutes in, and then Mark Smith hit fourth straight threes, and that Southern helps. Illinois wasn't close again. So a fast start, especially against a team who knows how to finish games in uh, Illinois, would be a good idea. Number two. There's probably not a more important game this season, or so far this season, where Jeremiah Tillman needs to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, And we talked to Scott Ritchie from the Champagne News Gazette a little later in this episode, and he kind of mentions Kofi Cockburn, who's their starting center, seven-foot center, who actually played at Oak Hill High School, same high school as Carmelo Anthony. And he... How he kind of disrupts the games, he's kind of the reason that Illinois fans, as this is what Scott said, and you can hear more about it later, but he's he's kind of the reason where I, Illinois fans are happy they let Jeremiah Tillman go as an Illinois signee because of how he's performing as a freshman and how Jeremiah Tillman kind of still hasn't figured out the foul trouble problem uh, in, in going into his junior year, even though both are really dominant players. So, I mean, if there's a one-on-one matchup to watch on Saturday, Cockburn versus Tillman might be... That's going to be fun. That's going to yeah. be something interesting. Well, and, and for Tillman, East St. Louis native, yeah. going back to really his, his hometown area. Uh, last year in this Bragging Rights game, Tillman put up 16 points, 12 rebounds. He was on that day and helped Mizzou win. I think it's going to take another um, you know, same type of effort from him Staying on the floor, avoiding the foul troubles. You know, you can't can't pick up those couple early ones and then not play the first half because that you, you may have Missouri in a hole and may not be able to get out of that hole against a, a team like Illinois. Yeah, uh, on on a rivalry stage. Uh, but yeah, it will, it will be kind of a, a fun challenge, I think, just to watch Tillman take on some of those Illinois big guys. Yeah, and, they, and I think the leading score in last year's game wasn't Jordan Geis. It was actually Trent Frazier from Illinois. I think he had twenty eight last year. Uh, and he's he's back. He's a junior. Uh, and I think the third key for me kind of would be to get the ball to Mark Smith. He, I think, you know, he's still there's still some hard feelings here. He's the only player the last two years of the Bragging Rights game to be successful in winning because he played for Illinois as a freshman. He was a Missouri sophomore. <laughs> he's got a solid track record. Yeah, yeah. So he he's he's the only player on the floor that has played in the Bragging Rights game before. They probably is undefeated. I'm outside of maybe Missouri's uh, sophomores now because they're only there last year. Sure, and so, out of players who have been in multiple, I've been in multiple. That's yeah, that is what I meant. Yes, so 
I, I think after his performance on uh, Sunday against Southern Illinois, where he hit seven threes tying the Mizzou Arena record, yeah, and how the rest of the team went one for fourteen from three, I think. Don't force shots. You know, Illinois is going to probably play a lot of man defense to try and force those threes. Maybe don't take it as much. Maybe just don't force and make sure that that's a, a way you can attack attack the game. I think that, you know, this team, Illinois has a lot of depth in the first kind of seven. But once you get after that first seven, if you get some guys in foul trouble, their quality really dips. When Missouri kind of is, is very deep in that way. So make it into a track meet. I think Missouri might have a little bit of an advantage. Ten games so far this season for Missouri. Mm-hmm. Five of them, Mark Smith has scored 18 or more points. Mm-hmm. The other five, he hasn't broken d- double digits. So he's either clearly on or off. Yeah, clearly on or off, or maybe, maybe you know get, getting the good opportunities, not getting the good opportunities, whatever way you want to look at it. But it's going to be crucial uh, to, to have him finding his touch, just like he he has, um, you know, in, in those in those big time outings, uh, like he had on really a, 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 a an unprecedented day at Mizzou Arena Sunday um, I think it's going to it's going to take um, just just him being able to let it fly and uh, I agree with you I mean there's just some good keys and I think if all three happen it looks good for Mizzou looks good for Mizzou <laughs> yeah and I mean you, you mentioned a couple guys but I mean this Missouri roster is full of St. Louis guys I mean Torrance Watson went to Whitfield he's from St. Louis himself uh, Javon Pickett went to Belleville East uh, Marty McKinney went to Vashon he's from St. Louis Mark Smith went to Edwardsville Jeremiah Tillman's from East St. Louis, and yeah, I mean Conzo's from East St. Louis. Yeah, and so is uh, off the top of my head, uh, assistant coach Marco Harris. He's the, they went, they both went to uh, is it Lincoln High School, which then merged with East St. Louis in the late '90s. The former high school. I don't want to mess that. They did not go to East St. Louis High School. I, I don't want to mess that up because Conzo's gotten on my case before that for that before. <laughs> Can't have that. And I got that wrong once. So uh, yeah, I definitely want to mention that. But so I, I mean, we have we have Scott make a prediction here a little bit early on. But this game seems like it's. I mean, I think it, it's going to be close, regardless of who wins this game. It's going to be one of those dragged out second halves where there's a lot of fouling and I, I can't I, I think game. at times it may be ugly I think it's going to be uh, this is not going to be a pretty game yeah I agree that doesn't mean it won't be a good game <laughs> it just just may be ugly yeah well what do you expect from bragging rights I mean on, I, I mean this is going to be and I made this point on the radio on Monday and it's it's sad to say but there's probably gonna be at least 11,000 more fans at this game than there was at Missouri's last game because it was in the middle of the snowstorm when they played Southern Illinois yeah. so you were there and maybe a few others uh, they announced the official attendance at 8,000 okay and that's tickets sold there may be 2,000 people there maybe yeah. certainly you'd imagine you know, that, that'd be a game many would uh, would have liked to be at but just couldn't yeah, no, because I mean, again, it goes back to the problem, I guess, maybe, maybe being my East Coast bias of how horrible Missouri is at clearing the roads. It just, just, it's not safe. I hate to say it. I mean, yeah, just straight up, it's not. But uh, I, I guess because of my East Coast driving skills, I'm able to navigate it a little bit better. Maybe that's what know. it is, huh? Maybe. I don't know. Is that, that, that's a ton of East Coast bias when I shouldn't have any because. I mean, uh, I was talking to Danny Jones, the former host of the show this week, and he said, DC doesn't do a great job either, but they also shut down everything as soon as snow, snow hits the ground, uh-huh. so no one's on the roads, which I guess is maybe the better way of doing things. But, uh, yeah, anything else, Bragg and Rice, you kind of want to talk about before we get into well, Scott? You, you know, one one last individual I think probably worth touching on a little bit more, Javon Pickett. Uh, what, what's been your take on just kind of what, what he's... Uh, He's been able to do this year, really coming off the bench and, and playing a starring role in certain in certain games. So yeah, I mean, 
after the loss to Charleston Southern, I mean, Kanza has been tinkering with the lineup a lot this season, and I think he's found the right rotation. And it's not to say that he's not playing his best five players in the starting lineup. Statistically, he isn't because he's, he's starting Mitchell Smith, but that seems like that's the chemistry and that's the order. I mean, the baseball teams have a batting order for a reason. It just seems like Missouri does better when they start Mitchell Smith and then have the jump they get from Xavier Pinson and Javon Pickett off the bench. Javon Pickett was great against Temple, 16 points. I think he had 12 against Southern 13. Illinois, 13. And, and I don't think he had scored that much the entire season to that point. Yeah, he had, so, he had 10 in the opener. He had... He had nine a couple times yeah um it, it, but that's for some production as, as a reserve player and he's he's really earning his minutes so I, I think that this is the for lack of a better word this is the rotation that you know kind of works for this team of you start the three smiths brown and tillman and then yep. you have the first three off the bench usually are pinson jackson and pickett and then probably read Nico or Parker Braun to come in for Jeremiah Tillman if he has foul trouble. That's usually how it works. So, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, we'll, at, the, at the opposite end of this, we'll talk to Scott Ritchie. At the opposite end. After, after we uh, talk to our local sponsors, we'll talk to Scott Ritchie, the Champagne News Gazette. Uh, and Kevin has our local sponsors coming up. But before I go any further, I want to say that the Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And the Zaxby's location is now located at uh, 63 uh, North and Stadium Drive because the there used to be another one in Columbia, I found out, uh, near Rockbridge, but that's now a Freddy's that just opened recently. There's, there's two Freddy's now in Columbia. I didn't know that either because the original Freddy's is... Uh, <laughs> Off of 63 on the other side. Uh, not to get into all of that. So but thank you to Zaxby's. So, so thank you to Zaxby's. Yes, thank you for stopping me. Okay, <laughs> here, here, here is Kevin with our local sponsors. And then after that, you will hear from Scott Ritchie, Illinois basketball beat writer of the Champagne News Gazette. We would like to thank our sponsors for the Missouri Sports Podcast. University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. Podcast this time, Illinois basketball beat writer for the Champagne News Gazette, Scott Ritchie. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Thanks for uh, reaching out. No, no problem. Uh, I guess just off the top, tell us more about this year's Illinois team. I mean, you almost beat Maryland, you beat Michigan. How are things? I think uh, this particular Illinois team is still kind of rounding into form. Um, they've played better certainly in the last couple of weeks and, you know, kind of all stemming from the loss uh, in the big 10 ACC challenge to Miami. And I mean, at the end of the game, it was a two point loss to Miami, but the hurricanes got up by as many as 27, like 15 minutes in the first half. And then after the game, uh, Brad Underwood and several of my players said, you know, the prep for that game was the worst it had been all season, and for Underwood, he said it was the worst since he'd been at Illinois. There's, the team was not engaged, and it showed. And they didn't know the scouting report. 
and you know Miami jumped on them. Uh, that was a point of emphasis heading into the Maryland game, and Illinois almost came up with the, the upset on the road against a top five team, then beat a top five team at home against Michigan. Kind of just a, a ho hum victory against Old Dominion, but uh, seems like hey, Illinois is on the the better track heading into bragging rights this Saturday. I'm going to say from an Illinois perspective, how, how do you think the fan base views bragging rights? Are there bigger fish to fry, or is this a game they have to win? I mean, just for the fan base as a whole, um, I think they always want to beat Missouri. And of any game on the schedule, that's probably the one if you'd ask people, when this, if they would give an honest answer, they would say, you know, beating Missouri uh, matters more than anything. Uh, they certainly uh, get up for that game. And even as it's maybe not had quite the the same kind of appeal in the last few years. The, the rivalry's kind of had a bit of a lull, just as neither team has been you know, terrific. Um, but yeah, Bragging Rights is still kind of a big deal, I think, for the Illinois fan base. I know it was five years in a row that Illinois won before last year, uh, and then Mark Smith was the only one victorious two years in a row. Uh, more Boo Birds coming from Mark Smith, do you think? And Jeremiah Tillman, and I guess Javon Pickett, I think are all Tennessee, or sorry, not Tennessee, Illinois commits at some point? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, and, I mean, I think a lot of Illinois fans would, would, you know, try to, you know, come across as, you know, good riddance, and they didn't want to be at Illinois, so it doesn't matter, but um, they will be booed. Uh, yeah. I'm almost 100% positive of that. So there, there's still some lingering feelings there. Uh, maybe less so for Jeremiah Tillman now. Um, I've seen a lot of fans on social media kind of tweeting about Kofi Coburn in relation to Jeremiah Tillman, and all my fans are pretty happy with uh, with the the big man thing shook out there with with Coburn on the team this year. I was going to ask you, who are some of the standout players for this year's Illinois team? I mean, it seems like obviously under Brad Underwood, things kind of look the same as they have in previous years, but how are things exactly? This is probably the most balanced offense Underwood has had um, at Illinois so far. Because there's no one guy that's going to go out and just drop 30. Although there's several players that could. It's just it's just not the way that this team operates. So they've got a lot of guys, you know, either they're averaging double-digit points or, or very close. Um, I mentioned Kofi Coburn, the freshman center, has been probably the biggest surprise this year. I mean, I thought he'd be good. And just simply for the fact that he's seven foot and 285 pounds and he can kind of dictate things uh, in a low post. But I didn't think he'd be as efficient as he is. didn't think he'd be putting up a double-double through the season. didn't think he'd be shooting, um, at least in like the last six games, like 80-some percent from the free throw line. Uh, he's been a pleasant surprise, I think, for the Illini. But then, you know, the returning players, I would assume Trent Frazier, Andres Felice, really solid in the backcourt with any of those three guys. And then, you know, Georgie Petronas really has probably had his role change the most this year. Um, a lot of that's to do with Kofi. But, I mean, that's one guy, I think, that Illinois can just count on to do his job and do it well and not worry about his own stats. I mean, he gets more excited about the plays his teammates make than essentially anything he ever does. So he's a kind of the, the epitome of that kind of 
a good teammate, and he's also still still a really good player. Where do you think realistic expectations kind of lie for this year's uh, Illinois team, and or have they met expectations so far this season? I'd say maybe have reached kind of that, that level that, that fans expected, that maybe players and coaches expected. Um, I think if you would ask me, I would have said eight and three heading into bragging rights is probably the record I would expect. I mean, it would have flipped a couple of games. You know, maybe would have expected a win against Miami and maybe not beating Michigan. But uh, the goal for this team, 100%, is to make the NCAA tournament since you know, it's been six seasons since Illinois has been there. And they're on that path, but there's certainly you know, work to be done yeah, I guess in you know, final two non-conference games, and then certainly once Big Ten play picks back up again in January, and the way it started uh, with essentially everyone just on even footing, I, I'm not sure I could even begin to predict what the rest of the, the conference schedule will look like. But Elmo's going to have to you know put some work in and maybe win a couple of games that they're not expected to, and you know get over the hump and into the NCAA tournament. I know you're an AP top 25 voter, so who who would be your pick to win the Big Ten this year? And uh, would Illinois, you know, you know, what's their, I guess, their easiest path to the tournament? Is it is it just, you know, winning at home for this type of team, or what exactly would it be? Well, I guess we're going to start with uh, who I'd pick to win the Big Ten. Um, not anybody's ballgame right now, but probably – been most impressed by Ohio State, and you know I had them I think fourth or fifth in the the preseason poll that you know the Big Ten media do. Uh, so they've kind of outpaced my expectations there. Um, as far as Illinois, I mean it's can't drop Big Ten games at home, uh, at least not very many of them. Just the way that this conference has been so far, and then you. Know, they have to go out on the road and win a couple just to you know, have enough wins by the time Big Ten tournament play starts that not all of their hopes for the NCAA tournament are, are based on what they do in Indianapolis this year. Gotcha. So is, do, you, do you have any prediction for, do you think, uh, bragging rights? Do you think it's an Illinois win? Do you think Missouri gets it for a second straight year? Do you have any feeling when it comes to that? I mean, it's – the only feeling I have right now is that it's going to be close – what struck me about this series kind of over the last couple of decades is it's not really been, you know, back and forth. One team wins, then the next team wins, because it's just been more runs. And you mentioned Illinois, you know, had a five-game winning streak, but I think before that, Missouri won four in a row. Um, but, you know, I guess to put myself on the spot, I'd say probably Illinois by four or five, maybe. Maybe not a very high-scoring game either. Sounds good. Well, uh, thanks so much for doing this, Scott. Where can people find you online and read the opponent's perspective for the uh, Bragging Rice game? Now, all of our coverage is available on IlliniHQ.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, um, I'm at SRRichie, R-I-C-H-E-Y. And uh, try to keep things light, funny, informative. Don't take Twitter too seriously. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much, Scott, for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, again, thanks for reaching out and having me on. And thanks once again.
once again to Scott Ritchie for helping us out. And uh, we'll be seeing him on Saturday at Bragg and Rights. Uh, Mizzou's actually holding a uh, press conference with both teams on Friday, and I'll be there. Uh, and But for the game itself, we'll have not only you there, Kevin, but Chris Bowie has been on the podcast in a couple months ago. He was on, right actually, right before the Ole Miss game. All three of us would be there. Right for, before everything took a turn yeah, it's, for Missouri football. Fault then. Yeah. No. But thank uh, you, Scott. That was some good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's jump into National Signing Day and some football stuff now. this is I guess this is the episode where we kind of admit this is now winter because we finally stopped talking about football as the... Uh, as the main topic of conversation, we're now putting football after the guest Actions interview. speak louder than words. Yes. Uh, still lots of football yeah. to get to here. But yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, quite the roller coaster of three weeks, but it kind of ends for a little while, hopefully, with National Signing Day, uh, which was yesterday. Missouri, even after the firing of Barry Odom, even after, I guess, all the hysteria that comes with who's going to be my coach and all that, signed 10 players yesterday. Uh, and I might want to test myself, see if I can run through all 10 of them and see who I would uh, get and Let's who I would got. forget. All, all right. right. The, the so 10 new Tigers. 10 new Tigers are uh, Will Norris from Rockbridge, linebacker. Jay Macklin from Kirkwood, cousin of Jeremy Macklin, the wide receiver. Brady Cook from Chaminade. Uh, you have the two offensive linemen from St. Louis in Mitchell Walters and Drake Heismeyer. Um, there's the two players from Florida, uh, Jalon Carlees and Tyler Jones. Uh, it's the kicker, Harrison Meavis from Warsaw, Indiana. And there's two people I am forgetting. Um, there's got to be a reason I'm forgetting them for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm kind of blanking here a tiny bit. Who am I, who am I forgetting? I definitely wrote about them yesterday. Oh, it's Elijah Young from... Uh, Knoxville. It's the two players who decommitted and then recommitted. That's that's why. It's Elijah Young from Knoxville, Tennessee, who won Mr. Football in Tennessee this past year. He's a really good running back. And then uh, the probably the best recruit they got overall. Last but certainly not least, J.J. Hester from Oklahoma. Four-star wide receiver. Uh, and he signed... He, Assessed his other options, took an official visit to UCLA, but came back and signed with Missouri. So, yeah, I, I did get it without looking anything up. That's pretty good. Uh, but Missouri did have expected kind of to sign anywhere from 12 to 15, and they got 10. That's for a couple reasons. Uh, two reasons why is they had two players on signing day flip from Missouri to Arkansas. Ray Curry, the offensive tackle, and then Dominique Johnson, the running back from Crowley, Texas. Both flipped from longtime Missouri commits to Arkansas. Probably a little bit of Odom and Sam Carter and Brad Davis all going from Missouri staff to Arkansas. A little bit of something to do with that. But uh, And then there was also Kevon Billingsley. Yeah, so Missouri, I think by my count, has 74 scholarship players if no one has transferred that we haven't been found out about. And they're allowed to have 81 because of the NCAA sanctions. Down Normally it would be 85. So yeah. basically they can sign seven more players in the... Uh, transfer window, I, I guess, not transfer window, not by National Signing Day. Uh, and there's a couple of players you're looking at. I mean, this is this is the first chance that Eli Drinkwitz kind of has to put his stamp on who his guys are at Missouri. All 10 guys, I'm sure he is very much behind and might have signed anyway, but all 10 of the guys Missouri signed yesterday were previously committed under Barry Odom. It's not like he went out and found his guy and brought him here in eight days. And I asked him yesterday if he planned on bringing anybody from App State that he had talked to there, and he said no. He didn't want to do anything that was not in the interest of both, best interest of both programs. Yeah, and you, you can definitely respect where he's coming from there. Um, you know, one thing that struck me with Drinkwitz, um, you know, coming in eight days from his first full day as Missouri head coach, to uh, the opening of the early signing period, he was on the road quite a bit. Whether it was. was 
Knoxville or St. Louis or, or you name it. Uh, you know, he was at the, uh, he was down at the Lake of the Ozarks for the uh, Missouri High School Football Coaches Conference and really kind of um, made an impression there. Um, he's, he's really kind of, he, he, you take him at his word for kind of what he said of, you know, in, in, in his opening press conference when he took the job that there are things that are urgent and there are things that are important. And he was going to focus first and foremost on what was urgent. And that's been recruiting. That's been locking down as many of these guys that had previously committed as he could. And he's got 10 of them. I think where he's really going to be able to kind of put more of his own stamp of actually kind of going after his guys, we can kind of see what does Drinkwitz look for um, and his kind of like prototype recruit. We're going to get that come February and then yeah. really uh, in, in the 2021 class. Um, but he did say he wasn't surprised by anything that happened. Is that just – is that coach speak on National Signing Day, or do, do you think that, that really uh, – that really holds true. Well, those were the ten guys that visited this past weekend. So I yeah. mean, that's so in that in that here. sense. So I mean, you know, if you after your head coach is fired and you want to get to know your head coach, if you're not invested to come to Missouri and to spend time with possibly your new coach, it kind of says more about where your intentions are. That ahead of the one of the biggest decisions you're going to make in your life, you're not prioritizing Missouri, regardless of whether you're committed there or not. So the background is, Drinkwitz invited everybody, everybody as as far as incoming. Uh, potential signees Mm -hmm. over this past weekend. To campus this past weekend. And there was pictures all over social media of the guys who were there and you could see the guys that were not. But the guys who were there... All of them signed. Those are the ones who signed. Yes. And that makes sense. So in in that regard, no surprises. No. And in that regard, no surprises. I think that maybe Drinkwitz kind of knew a little bit before the public did that Curry and Johnson probably were going to flip. Um, Maybe was aware of Billingsley and, and behind the scenes stuff there. Sure. Because yeah, that, that's still up in the air at this point of, of what the future holds. And that, and that might end up being kind of a situation where Missouri says, you can come, but not now. That happened with that's happened with a couple of the players. I want to put their names out there, but where they've gone to junior college for either for any reason, academic reasons or whatever, and then came to Missouri as a Missouri commit, went to go play in the Jayhawk Conference, and then came here for a little while. So that, that might be a Billingsley type of situation that might happen. Uh, but yeah, Missouri, Missouri is still putting together their coaching staff. Eli Drinkwitz is kind of doing his own thing there. Um, Missouri, will, it looks like they, they have officially retained two two staff members from Odom, Brick Haley and Ryan Walters. It looks very close to being three with David Gibbs. Um, and then he's also kind of brought in a couple people from App State and a lot of connections from Auburn. For whatever reason, I, I don't know what it was about that quality control staff in 2010. Well, you win the so national great. championship, you're doing some stuff right. Well, I mean, I mean, yes, one of the best college quarterbacks of this century, and Cam Newton was there. And, but even though I, I'm pretty sure Auburn fans wouldn't say he's the best Auburn quarterback uh, of this century, I'm pretty sure they would choose Nick Marshall. But uh, they, yeah, I just, I mean, how many now play? Of those staff members who have ties to that 2010 Auburn be, team, four of them? Well, yeah, at least three. Um, Including Drinkwitz himself, four? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, Curtis Looper, who's the co-offensive coordinator t- uh, t- at TCU, looks like he's coming to Missouri. Uh, that, couple, that hasn't been officially confirmed. But, well, he confirmed it with the Star-Telegram in, in Fort Worth this morning. So he's coming. Um, and usually when those reports come out and they're everywhere, including here at the Columbia Daily Tribune, they're not wrong. Now it's just a matter of time it's for just a matter of the when. school to come out and say that. But yeah. yeah, I think we can kind of put two and two together. He's coming. And then uh, they also confirmed Eric Link, uh, Charlie Harbison, uh, DJ Smith, 
Casey Woods, and then they're also retaining those Missouri guys. There's still a couple pieces here and there that need to... But majority of the staff filled it, in and yes. um, and before Christmas, and you, you got to think that was, uh, while, while recruiting was priority number one, um, getting that coaching staff in order, getting everybody kind of in place... It was number two. Uh, that, was, that was number two. If not kind of keeping the current roster together at, at 2A and 2B, I mean... You kind of look with the, the uncertainty of guys that are already here, and they only have so many opportunities. So, keeping as many guys on roster as they can is kind of a priority. So, it hasn't no been doubt. reported that yep. anybody on scholarship has been transferring. There's a couple of people that have put out some cryptic things on social media on scholarship and not on scholarship, but nothing has been confirmed up to this point. So, yeah, that's where kind of things kind of stand football wise. And one thing Elias said with that is that he, he's really kind of the best he can being as though like he came in and yet at the end of the semester you had finals some kids are, are already home but he's tried to have one-on-one conversations with everybody up and down the roster as far as keeping those guys in place yeah one thing about Elijah Drinkwitz that is def- a little bit different than Barry Odom is he I think Barry Odom was very much down the middle of the road very business-like never wanted to kind of for lack of a better word joke with the media it's like okay we're, we're buddies even though we're kind of you know having a professional working relationship yesterday he kind of said yeah the phone does amazing things well, when he asked about, you know, if, he, if he's trying to contact the roster. So, definitely a, a, a little bit more of a lighthearted guy than Barry Odom was. And, you know, everything comes down to wins and losses on the field. But you can kind of see between the lines as to why Missouri's really excited about this guy. You know, we kind of had our, the, the a lot of the print media kind of had their chance to first kind of have one-on-one time with him yesterday. And, I, I mean, he's a very nice guy. and But, you know, a, lo- a lot of what the expectations are for this team aren't going to be changed until next September. So there's going to be a lot of the honeymoon period until then, until the first loss comes. Because I can't see a world, even if how great Elijah Woods is, this team goes undefeated next year. I can't see a world in which they win nine games. I think their ceiling is 8-4 and four as of right now. But that's still way out there. So that's kind of where things stand football-wise, in a sense. Is there anything else we need to talk about before we uh, let these good, nice people in podcast land go? You know, I think, uh, I mean, looking forward to bragging rights Saturday. We'll definitely, going into the new year, keep keep tabs on football and, and that ongoing situation. Definitely going to be an interesting offseason as it continues to unfold. Um, we will be taking a holiday break from this podcast. We probably should uh, let the good people out there know about that. Uh, we'll be we'll be back with you in January. Probably next time out, uh, you and I will kind of kind of talk some SEC basketball preview uh, the conference slate yeah, so for, little, for the men and then also yes. talk some women's basketball as well we didn't we didn't do that today but uh, but next time we will we will definitely do that well thank you guys for listening to this, this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast happy new year we'll come back in 2020 but until then Kevin give us the outro for the Mizzou Sports Podcast until next time